going through this series on the attributes of God. And our theme has been, we love God because of who he is, not just because of what he does. Based on the logical conclusion of if your love is tied to something he's doing, then if he stops doing it, your love stops. But when your love is tied to the core of who he is, then that love will last as long as he lasts, which will be for all of eternity. The first attribute we looked at was holy or separate and set apart. The Bible says, be holy for I am holy. We want to be likened unto God. And as Sister Nora pointed out this morning when she saw my little illustration from a couple weeks ago, I've got some Doritos mixed with some mulch from our flower bed. You don't want to mix the good and the bad. You don't want to mix the food and the dirt. You don't want to mix And you can't mix holy and unholy because when you mix them, you end up with unholy. We're called to be separate from the things of this world. And that's easier said than done because we can repent, say we're not going back. And then somehow we we accidentally slip up. We do things that we never intended to do again. But to set that pace, we looked at the formula in 2 Peter 1, 5 through 8. It says you start with faith. Everything has to build off that foundation of faith. And then we add holiness even when no one is looking. That we we set ourselves separate even when no one's watching because we're accountable to God. And then you continue adding more study into your life to better understand who God is. This is adding more knowledge to your life. And then you exercise self-control and discipline over things that are within your power and patience over things that aren't. And lastly, you love people. You conduct your life at all times in consideration of how does this impact the world around me in a positive way. The second attribute of God that we looked at was his creative power. We looked at Genesis 1.1. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth, period. God created the heaven. He created the earth. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. Everything is within his power. Last week, we talked about... God being our savior, our deliverer, our banner. And when you're flying God's name on your life, he is your savior. He is your deliverer. And we looked at the story of Moses and the way that God had delivered the children of Israel out of Egypt. And it didn't happen the way they would have liked it to happen. They doubted God throughout the process. They come to the Red Sea and they go, why would you bring us all the way out here? We could have just stayed back in Egypt. But they had God's hand of protection. And we don't always, and this comes back to it, they thought they had come to a dead end. <clears throat> they were trusting God only as far as they could wrap their minds around. But they had to take it a step further and understand that God is their deliverer no matter where they are. The attribute I want to talk about today and what's been on my mind this week is that God is our healer. We've prayed for healings many times and they don't always turn out the way that we think they're going to turn out. But that does not mean that God is not a healer. It just means that we don't see what God is doing. 
I want to start in Psalms 24, verse 1. I just quoted this verse a minute ago, but in Psalms 24, 1, it says, The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world and they that dwell therein. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for what you're doing in this place today. God, we thank you for who you are. God, we thank you for everything that you do and every attribute and characteristic of who you are. God, you are such a perfect model of what our lives would like to reflect. And you're the perfect model of perfection. God, go with us the remainder of this service. God, I pray that my words would be anointed to speak your word forth, that they wouldn't be my words, but they would be your words, and that I would just be a vessel or a conduit transmitting your thoughts to these people. In Jesus' name, amen, and you may be seated. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world and they that dwell in there, dwell therein. When I look at this verse, it reminded me of my fish tank. Because that fish tank is my fish tank. And all the fish in that fish tank are my fish. <laughs> and it brought my mind to Jeremiah 29:11, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare, not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. God's plan is for good, not for evil. God wants us to succeed, not fail. God doesn't want us to live a difficult life. When I think about my fish tank, I like to keep the tank clean so my fish have a clean environment to live in. I think about that. I think about my water temperature to make sure that it's comfortable for them to exist in. <laughs> I'm not the only fish keeper in this church. <laughs> <laughs> Sister Nora also has some fish. You, you need to put fish food in your fish tank to provide for your fish. In the same way that we look and care after our fish or our pets. I, I don't want to make a perfect parallel, but, but there's, there's, a, there's a correlation to the way that God looks at the earth. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof and they that dwell therein. When God looks at us here on earth, he does not wish evil upon us. He doesn't want us to have a hard, difficult life. But rather, he wants us to be taken care of. He doesn't wish evil upon us. And so when we come to him with a prayer request for a healing... We're praying for what he wants for us already. Kind of. Because you have to filter your prayer request through what God actually wants, not what you want. An example of this was a couple years ago, I was dealing with severe eye strain and headaches. And, I, and, and it was getting so bad. And I was praying. I started praying almost on a daily basis. God, just heal my eyes. Just heal my eyes. I don't want to wear glasses anymore. I don't want to have these problems anymore. Just heal my eyes. And, and I, had, I was in a powerful church service and faith was high. 
And then I thought, and I knew God can heal me. I know God can heal me. And I felt under the unction of the Holy Ghost that if, if you think I can heal you, then break your glasses. And I, and I took a pause and I thought, okay, God, I have faith that you can heal me. I just don't have faith that I'm clearly hearing you. And it came a second time and the third time just so strong that if, if you really have faith in God, then break your glasses. So I took my glasses and I broke them in half. And I started worshiping and praising God for the healing that I knew he was going to give me. <coughs> and I opened my eyes and everything was blurry. So take my broken glasses back to Walmart the next day where I'd gotten them from. And I lay them on the counter and the guy in the Walmart optical department looks at them and says, well, what happened? And I said, they broke. So he looks at my account and he says, well, they're still under warranty, so I can just replace the frames, no charge. So he replaces the frames. And I get out to my car, and I have, a, I have an extreme stigmatism, which means that my eye is a bit of an odd shape. And when my lenses and my glasses, if they're off kilter, it sends a distorted image in to my brain, and it confuses your brain is really what happens. It makes it work extra hard because your brain's trying to compensate for the distorted image it's receiving. And, and I would, so whenever I'd get a new pair of glasses, I would, look, I would look at something and I would just twist my glasses a little bit just to twist the lens because if the lens is crooked, then it distorts the image to see where it's actually supposed to be positioned. And I realized that that line where it was best had moved from the original frame that I had broke to the new frame. And he'd actually got the lens into the second frame, he got it straight. It was crooked in that first frame, which, that crooked lens, leads to eye strain, headaches. And so though I was asking for a healing of my eyes, that I didn't have to wear glasses anymore, that wasn't what I got. But what I did get was no longer having to deal with the eye strain and the headaches, which is where we can see God's provision. I was recounting the story to someone the other day, and then I realized I've worn glasses for 25 years, almost. If I were to stop wearing glasses, I would not instinctively protect my eyes because I don't ever think about getting stuff in my eyes because it can't. I don't have those natural instincts to like protect my eyes and guard my eyes because I just I wear safety glasses every day. <laughs> protects my eyes. And so we sometimes have to take a step back and look at the situation from a different angle. <coughs> Another example that I found, I was doing some research today on healings, because I was looking at the difference between a healing and a miracle. And the easiest way to summarize the contrast between a healing and a miracle is that a, is that a healing... Is that, is that a miracle is instantaneous and, and is typically, when you look at it in the body, a, heal, a miracle would be something that wasn't there growing back. A healing would be something that is there restoring itself. A healing is more of restoration, where a miracle is something that's more instantaneous and unexplainable. 
I found this quote where somebody was, was kind of paradigming the difference there. And they said, with, with the teen, so this is Gary Wilkerson's his name. He said, with the teen challenge background that I have, working with people with addiction, I've seen that instantaneous healing and the ones that don't get it are sometimes jealous of it. Why don't God just do that for me? But oftentimes, the one who battled with this have really learned how to do spiritual warfare and learn how to stand for their well-being. That is a, this is a direct quote. It's not a classy quote because he kind of stumbled over some of his words there. But what he's saying is, in his experience, he's seen the difference. When somebody gets an instantaneous healing or when somebody goes through a when somebody goes through an instantaneous healing, they haven't gone through the warfare and they're not as strong as somebody who goes through a healing process. He says when somebody's going through a healing process, in his observation, they come through the process strengthened. Adversity makes us stronger. Going through a process, healing is a process. Healing is not instantaneous. And that's where the devil distracts us and says, well, you prayed for healing, but you didn't get your healing. It's a process. Healings are a process. Healings take time. You see in Mark 16, 15 through 18, and he, Jesus, said unto them, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. He that believeth not shall be damned. And these signs shall follow them that believe. In my name shall they cast out devils. They shall speak with new tongues. They shall take up serpents. And if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. They shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. It doesn't say they shall jump up and instantly be healed or they shouldn't. They were going to receive a miracle, but it says they're going to recover. The sick shall recover. Recovery is a process. I know people that recover and, re and restore cars. They don't just go out to their garage one day with this old beater and drive it out brand spanking new the next day. Recovery and restoration is a process. And if they did just go into their garage and snap their fingers and the car just fix itself, they wouldn't know how to continue maintaining it. But when you go through that process, you develop skills to prepare you as you continue going through things. I have identified three different kinds of healings. There's physical healings, emotional healings, and spiritual healing. And I wanna just focus on the first two today, physical healing and the emotional healing. There's a biblical example of a physical healing of Job. Job had sores. He had boils all over his skin, head to toe. And you see as you go through the story of Job, him crying out to God, God, I'm in so much pain. Why have you forsaken me? Why is this happening? But after going through all of this pain, he finally gets his healing. And we see it's a process. It didn't happen instantaneously. It took a while. The other story that I... That that has stood out to me recently, the story of healing, was Naaman. There was a, uh, he was a captain of the host of the king in Syria. His name was Naaman. And he had leprosy. Leprosy is a disease that just makes your skin just rot to the point of falling off. 
And so Naaman sends one of his servants to go talk to Elisha and asked Elisha, how do I get cleansed from my leprosy? You're a prophet <coughs> of God. Tell me how to get clean from my leprosy. And Elisha <coughs> said, go down to the gunkiest, nastiest Jordan River and go dip in it seven times. And the king, or the, the captain of the host of Syria said, that's not hard enough. He says, that's not going to work. That's too easy. And sometimes when we come to God looking for a healing, we're looking for something hard. We're looking for, for what can, a, a quid pro quo. God, if you'll bring me a healing, I'm going to do this for you. But, but, but a healing is a gift on God's time. When God brings us a healing, it's because he wants to in his time. We can't force his hand to do something for us. Yeah. And Naaman's servant calls him out on this and says, if he had told you to go slay an entire army to get your healing from leprosy, you would go do it. But all he asked you to do was go get in the nastiest, gunkiest, dirtiest water Worse than the lake at Camp Galilee. You see that lake? That water is nasty. Go find the nastiest, gunkiest water and dip head to toe in there seven times. The other aspect that you see when doing that is if you go slay a big old army, you start puffing yourself up. But when you go dip in the nastiest, gunkiest water, it's a sign of submission and humility. If you want to see God's healing in your life, <clears throat> you have to be humble and accept it from him. I think sometimes, and this is my opinion, I don't if there maybe there might be some scripture to back this up, but I, I haven't I didn't bring that scripture today. But we hinder God's ability to heal us by trying to do the work ourselves. <clears throat> I, was, I was praying one time, and I felt like God was asking me to step out and do something. And, and I just started crying. I said, God, I don't even know where to start to do that. I can't do that. And as quickly as I said that, the thought came into my head, then good. When it succeeds, you'll know it was the work of the Lord. We can't force God's hand. And when we try... When we try to help God, reminds me of a toddler coming to the kitchen trying to help mom cook. When we try to help God, we end up just making things work. We end up just messing things up. <coughs> the other thing I'm going to touch on is emotional healing. You got physical healings. Those are things that people can see. Those are your aches and pains. But emotional healing and trauma. There has been studies done that when you pray in tongues and you let the Holy Ghost flow through you, that it is a healing power to the brain. I had somebody share a testimony with me just this morning about as their spiritual walk has gotten closer with God, that their traumas and their hurts and their burdens that they've bared from the damage that they went through as a child they've started finding healing from that trauma. 
You're not forcing God's hand. You're not out there demanding anything from him. You're giving him. You give him yourself and you let him work with it. You place it into God's care. I've tried living my life my way long enough. I don't want to do things my way anymore. I want to do things God's way because God's way is the best way. James chapter 5, verses 13 through 15 says, If any of among you are afflicted, let him pray. Is any merry? Let him sing psalms. Is any sick among you? Let him call the elders of the church. They may pray over him and anoint him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith shall save the sick, and the Lord shall raise him up. And if he have committed sins, they shall be forgiven him. The scripture says, call on the elders of the church to pray. And it's not because only old people can ask for a healing, but it's because the elders of the church, the mature saints, know how to pray. James 4.3 says, Ye ask and receive not, because ye ask amiss, that ye may consume it upon your lusts. God wants to provide for us, but it might not always be filet mignon. Sometimes his provision might be might be broccoli. It might be tuna fish. It might be some sardines. But he provides for us. He takes care of us. And so when you go to the Lord asking for something, you have to ask for it in the way that he wants to provide it. You're hungry. You don't ask for filet mignon. You ask for him to sustain you. Let's all stand. I reached out to some people this week asking them for their testimonies about healings. And the first one I'll start with is my cousin. And I told her to keep it brief, just one two-line summary, and she ended up writing a whole book. And so I read through it to try to summarize, and there's a lot of good stuff in here, so we're just going to read through it. In 2023, I was diagnosed with petite mal-ambient seizures. I lived a fairly normal life. Petite mal are some are small enough that they don't affect me day to day. I worked a job, did theater and ballet. Besides being unable to drive and missing moments and punchlines of jokes, it was pretty normal. In 2016, I had my first convulsive seizure in a Mexican restaurant. I was able to get on a breather fast enough that my life was saved. We learned that I had developed a new type of seizure. In 2017, I was paralyzed from the waist down for about three weeks. I had to sleep on the floor because the doctors were scared I would fall out of bed. We were in the process of getting a wheelchair when God touched me. I got so tired of convulsing and just refused to accept it. I got my brother-in-law to carry me to church and I convulsed within five minutes of getting there. But the Holy Ghost broke out and I could walk and still can today. She got a healing but I still have seizures. My health got ebbs and flows, but one thing epilepsy my health has taught me is to never give up. See, through the pain and through the process, she has seen the power of God. Just as I was suicidal, I was broken on the inside. I wanted the physical pain in my body to stop, and I used to pray and ask God, just don't let me wake up. I was on a breather a few times, liquid IV to give me vitamins I needed to stay alive. But everything just hit me in 2017, and I thought it can't get any worse. 
but it could. One day I was riding in the ambulance and I couldn't breathe or move and the man next to me had a severed leg. Anyway, I I misread that. She says, says, I was riding the ambulance. I couldn't breathe or move, but the man next to me had a severed leg, and I'm not sure I'll ever forget the smell of blood or what a bone sticking out of tissue looks like. I started thinking about what it would look like to truly lose something like that and not get it back. God could make a leg grow back, but at that particular moment, it was gone, and he was on a blood transfusion, and I was on oxygen support. I just made up in my mind every day I would live like I was completely seizure-free. I realize how lucky I am to be alive. I am so, so, so incredibly lucky. God watches over me and my husband. I take eight medications. I've been through a lot, but he's always kept me alive and living for him. I'm not sure everyone in the world knows what it's like to hear the prayer, God, just give me one more breath, just let me breathe. I'm in the healing process. My seizures haven't completely stopped, but they get better every day. I'm alive and happy living to the fullest extent my body allows. My sister was dealing with psoriasis, which is a skin condition where your cells, skin cells just start overproducing. She put some oil on her knee, some ointment. She put her hand over it. She said, Lord, just take the psoriasis away. She took her hand away and her psoriasis were gone. My uncle Scott Taylor, it's easy to look at that situation and say, God, why didn't you heal him of his cancer? But Scott got healed from the human condition. He's no longer stuck on this earth with his aches and pains. He no longer has to deal with all of that, but rather he's now with his creator. Another testimony that was sent to me. When I was four years old, my dad took me on a trip to Mexico. On our way back, I got really sick. I wouldn't eat, I just wanted to sleep, and I was having trouble breathing and I was getting pale. My dad was traveling with some friends who already were in church, and he suggested that I go to the ER, and they told him that they would pray for me and trust God because they had been talking to him about God on that trip. So my dad made a prayer. He told God that if he would heal me, he would give his life to him. After about an hour, I was chatting away, and the color returned, and I acted like nothing had ever happened. Our God is a healer. We know he's a healer. We can see signs of his healings. I had a broken leg a year ago, and many people prayed that God would just heal that leg. And you know, it's healing up great. We may not always see a miraculous healing. We may not always see things happen the way we want them to happen. But God is a healer. Sister Julia was telling me that when she was 15, she prayed for a girl in a wheelchair. This girl had been hit by a car. She had fractured bones in both legs. And Julia, a little new to the church, figuring things out, she knew a scripture. She'd been, she was a Bible quizzer. So she quoted Acts 3. She said, rise up and walk. And this girl jumps up out of her wheelchair and started dancing. Her grandma was healed from cancer. She told me the story too, 
She's sick of wearing glasses. I'm not the only one who doesn't like glasses. Julia doesn't want to wear glasses anymore either. She's God's a healer. So she took a step of faith and she broke her glasses in half. And you know what happened? Nothing. God doesn't always react in the way you think that he's going to react. We can't manipulate God. But we do know that even when God doesn't give me my healing right now, he is still a healer. I love God because he's a healer, not because he healed me. I think about Brother Leroy. We pray for him every week. And the amount of times that I've prayed for Brother Leroy, and he says, I feel better now. The pain is gone. But just as much as I've prayed for Brother Leroy, he says, you know what? It didn't help. I don't feel better. And that's okay. Because whether or not you get your healing in that moment, whether or not you see what's going on, we know that God is our healer. We're going to take some time to pray today. Whatever healing you need from God, we're going to pray the prayer of faith that God would bring a healing into your life. I'm going to anoint you with oil. If anybody wants prayer this morning, we're going to start with you. If anybody wants prayer this morning for an emotional healing, a physical healing, or a spiritual healing, come forward and we're going to anoint you with oil and pray.